Welcome to Belfast City Vineyard, where we are pursuing formation in the presence of Jesus, community gathered around Him, and the impact He empowers us to bring in our families, city, and the world. The following message was given at one of our Sunday services. For more information, visit our website at BelfastCityVineyard.com. Happy New Year, especially if you're just joining us for the first time this year. Welcome back. I hope your Christmas has been peaceful and restful. And for all those of you who have gone back to work and school, I hope you've had a really good start to all of that. So we've been in a series called Home, and it's been so, so good. We've talked about how home is a place where we are nurtured, where we are launched, and where we are blessed. And in the middle of it all, we announced the really exciting and long-awaited news that we also have a new church home. We're super excited about that. Some of you were able to join us on Christmas Eve for our first gathering, and it was really, really special. If you missed that, just don't worry about it. There will be more opportunities. And Andy is going to have more information on the building next week, so definitely tune in for that. Today marks the last talk in our home series. Aw, sad, I know. This final talk in the series is actually part two from last week. Home is a place we grow. If you missed it, you can catch up on YouTube or podcast. Today will make sense on its own, I hope, but it will have more depth in tandem with last week's message. So last week, I shared a word that I had for the year ahead, and that is the word growth. And by growth, I don't mean numerical growth. I know that us pastors get really excited about numerical growth. But in this instance, I'm actually talking about deep transformation. And I showed this diagram last week, and I want to show it again by Pete Scazzaro, as I think Pete illustrates so well the impact of deep transformation and the difference between simply attending church and being transformed and becoming a disciple, a follower of Jesus. To follow Jesus over a lifetime is to keep growing. We cannot follow Jesus and remain unchanged. I don't think it's possible, whether you've been following Jesus for five minutes or 50 years, his work in us, his healing and making us whole, that is an ongoing process in our lives. It doesn't stop unless we stop participating in it. Last week we looked at John chapter 9 where Jesus heals a blind man. I'd intended to move on to another passage today, but I've decided to hang around this story for another week because I just can't stop thinking about what happened to this man. I can't stop thinking about how Jesus radically changed his life forever and how this man embraced this transformation. He was all in. He participated 100%. We'll look at some snapshots of the passage again in a few moments, but just to recap, this man is born blind. He is sitting begging when Jesus and his disciples walk by. Jesus then spits in the mud, rubs it on his eyes, and tells him to go and wash in the pool of Siloam. The man goes and washes and walks away healed. I was blind, but now I see, he later says. 
This is a story of radical transformation. And after two years of being in various forms of lockdowns in our houses, of having Groundhog Day feeling over and over again, we need to get around stories like this one. I think it's why I can't drag myself away from it. I'm so struck by the life-changing power of Jesus. We need to remember what Jesus is capable of, what he's already done for us, and we need to be re-envisioned with who he says that we are and who we are becoming. The story of the man born blind has got me thinking about some of the things that I can see that are getting in the way of growth, my own growth. I'm asking myself, what will it take for me to be transformed? I'm asking, in the places where we aren't growing, where I'm not growing, why is that? Why aren't we growing? What are some of the things that are getting away of growth, both for myself and for others? So two brief, brief comments about what I'm about to say. First, this is not an exhaustive list. These are just a couple of questions that have sprung up from reading and chewing on this passage. Second, I am a pastor, not a counselor or a therapist. For some of us, deep transformation requires us to journey past hurts and traumas with the help of someone who's a professional in the area of counseling and emotional trauma. It might be that some of what I'm saying today triggers something, and it might be that you need to get help that goes beyond today's talk. Okay, so here are four questions that I am asking as a result of chewing on this passage. First, are we stopping at self-awareness? One of the reasons why we get stuck and why transformation maybe doesn't happen is that we confuse self-awareness with actual change. Self-awareness is part of the journey, but it's not the destination. It's not the goal. When self-awareness becomes an end in itself, it short-circuits transformation and actual growth. We think we've arrived somewhere, but we've only just gotten started. I've totally done this. I've latched onto whatever the latest tool is, whether it's the Enneagram or Myers-Briggs, and I've done those, used those things as an excuse not to change. I'm not saying those things aren't useful. They really are, but they also have their limits. Steve Cuss, in his book called Managing Leadership Anxiety, says it like this. We all know people who are self-aware but do tremendous damage or even people who use self-awareness as permission to stay the same. Awareness is critical, to be sure, but it is not the path of growth, it is simply the gate. We unlock it and walk through it, but on the other side of self-awareness is the difficult work that brings deeper freedom for us and those that we serve. The other day I had to point out something to one of my kids that they were doing that was unhelpful. I did so as graciously as I possibly could. But as their parent, I wasn't just asking them to become aware of this thing that wasn't right. I was asking them to change. I was calling their to more because, them to more because I love them, because I want what is best for them. To their credit, they took it really well. And so if I, who am human and imperfect, want my kids to grow and change because I love them, how much more does our Heavenly Father in His perfect love desire for us to accept His invitation into deep transformation? Let's not stop at awareness. 
Let's not just gather the information. Let's go for transformation. John Wimber used to say, the way in is the way on. He was talking about the ongoing work of sanctification in our lives, of being made whole. One of my favorite bits of this passage is that his friends and neighbors saw such a change in him that they weren't even sure it was him. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, it only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. John 9, 8-9 is what that is. Do we believe that Jesus can change us radically? Do we have a vision for who we could become? For how we could step into who Jesus says that we are? If we're going to chase awareness, let's chase an awareness of who Jesus says that we are, who he has made us to be, an awareness of the abundant life and freedom that he has for us. Based on the reaction of this man's friends and neighbors, I wonder if his whole appearance actually changed. I wonder if he now walked around with his head held high for the first time. Did they see not just a man who could see, but a man with a new confidence? Was there a new joy and radiance in his face? Was there a healing of the heart as well as of the eyes? Because Jesus had seen him, and Jesus had demonstrated kindness and love toward him. Was this a healing not just of sight restored, but of shame lifted? Some of this is speculation on my part. Of course, it's my imagination. Regardless of the specifics, though, there is no doubt that something major happened here. I think it's fair to say that this man received far more than his eyesight. What if people around you said that about you this time next year? What if Jesus wants to do far more in and through you than you could ever ask for or ever imagine? Second question I've been asking is, are we self-reliant, passive, or responsive? One of the things that can get in the way of our wholeness centers around the question of who does the healing? Is it God or is it us? On one extreme, we have people who say things like, well, if Jesus wants to heal me, he knows where to find me. They're passive about it. On the other extreme, there is a self-reliance and a determination that all but pushes God right out of the equation. It's all down to my hard work, my self-actualization. This passage about the man born blind is really interesting for us to chew on when we are looking at this question of who does the healing. So John chapter 9, 6 and 7, having said this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with his saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means scent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. I find this fascinating. He wasn't instantly healed. He had to go and wash in the pool first. What if he had only gone as far as allowing Jesus to put mud in his eyes? What if he hadn't gone to wash? Presumably, he would have remained blind. The healing story here requires the man to do something. He is an active participant in the healing. And he doesn't just do something. He does the very thing Jesus asks him to do. 
He could have gone and washed in another pool, maybe one he liked better or closer to home or the one that his mate recommended, but he did exactly as Jesus said. Transformation doesn't just happen to us. We participate in it. We are present to it. We move towards it. We are intentional about it. But we also don't need to overfunction. We don't need to flog ourselves. We do what Jesus is asking of us in a season or in a moment. So what is Jesus asking of you right now? What would it look like to respond to what he is already doing? Like this man, the more we participate in the healing, the more we embrace it and move towards it, the deeper the transformation is going to be. Maybe you're not sure where to begin, and that's okay. Last week I said I would highlight some ways that you could get started. So I'm going to do that now. First is this, the following Jesus course. My wonderful husband Andy and my dear friend Sarah Crawford have developed this awesome course, and it will be launching again in February. It will teach you specific tools, the basics of what it looks like to follow Jesus, how to pray, how to read your Bible, how to forgive. It's a powerful course. It's so good that people sometimes do it more than once. If you're ready to change, if you want to encounter Jesus, but you just don't know how, this is for you. Maybe you've been in church for a long time, maybe all your life, and you feel like you should know how to do this stuff. Don't let that guilt and shame get in the way of this opportunity to grow. Email info at to find out more information about following Jesus. Next, I'd like to highlight something called Gospel of Wholeness. Sarah Crawford also plays point in Gospel of Wholeness. Here's what her blurb on the website says. For many of us, the pandemic has highlighted some areas where we are stuck in our lives, whether it's through apathy, unanswered prayer, conflict that hasn't gone well, questions over our identity and calling, or simply feeling distant from God and not being sure how to change our trajectory. Gospel of Wholeness is a course that offers self-reflection with a trained coach who will walk alongside you. Here on the screen is an email address that you can contact to find out more. I went through Gospel of Wholeness about 18 years ago, I think, 17, 18 years ago, something like that. It changed my life. Well, Jesus changed my life, but he used Gospel of Wholeness in a massive way. Last week, I referred to a time in my life when I really wanted someone else in my life to change because they were really annoying me. And as I said last week, I'll say it again, it wasn't Andy, by the way. But at that time, I went through Gospel of Wholeness, and I was able to identify some of my own issues of control and start working on the plank in my own eye instead of the speck in the other person's eye. Lastly, if you still just want to know where to start, you're still not sure, you want more input on what to do next, what if you reach out to one of the pastors, pastoral care team, life group leaders, someone that you trust in this community and have a coffee and a chat with them? Tell them your story and ask for their help to point you towards what might be a good next step for you. There's so much power in saying things out loud. That's one of the reasons why I think the man born blind was growing and growing in confidence. He kept saying things out loud about himself that were true. We need to say things out loud to other people. Deep transformation is never easy. It is not comfortable. 
you may have to do something. That's often the reason why we resist it and why we don't want to participate in it. But isn't it a relief that we don't have to carry all of our junk around with us for all of our lives? That we can be free, that we can be healed, and that we can change. Third, who are we listening to? One of the most striking things about this passage is what happens after the blind man is healed. We talked about this last week, the mess that ensues. It gets pretty crazy. The community does not respond well to Jesus or the healing, and they're just trying to put it back in the box again. The man is called in for questioning with the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, and they grill him about this Jesus and him healing on the Sabbath. Then they call in the man's parents, who also aren't really much help because they are too afraid of these religious leaders. So we'll jump into the narrative at verse 24. A second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. They're talking about Jesus, by the way. He replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I've told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? He's getting quite bold with them here and he's making them really angry. Then he, they hurled insults at him and said, You are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, Now That is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Talk about drama. They challenge him. They mock him. They are downright nasty. But he doesn't listen to them. He could have shrunk back, but he doesn't. It almost seems like his confidence grows and grows more and more. The meaner they get, the more outspoken he becomes. It's astounding. He hasn't just found his sight. He's found his voice. I wonder if I would have been able to stand up to that level of opposition from powerful people. We must remember that this man a moment ago was a beggar on the street. He was a nobody in his society. Now he's toe-to-toe with the power brokers in his community holding his own. I know how I felt unsettled when people start to probe me about my faith or something I believe in or something that's happened. This man had only met Jesus. There's no way that he could have known all the answers to their questions. I know how flustered I can get when I'm under pressure, but he doesn't seem flustered. With a simple clarity, he just says to them, I was blind, but now I see. He stands on that simple truth in spite of all their questions and accusations. He knows who he is, and he knows what Jesus has done for him. What voices are you listening to? 
They might be internal voices or actual people that you hang around with. Maybe we are stuck because we're listening to the wrong voices. This man had to use his voice and stand his ground. Maybe you and I need to do the same. The fourth and last question that I've been asking myself is why do we change? I think sometimes we get stuck and we don't grow because we're starting from the completely wrong spot. I didn't want to give this away as my punchline, but I think actually the full title of this talk needs to be Home is Where We Grow Because We Are Loved. Home is where we are loved, and we grow because we are loved. Deep transformation comes because we are deeply loved. The man born blind was deeply loved by Jesus. Jesus didn't just give him sight, he loved him. That's why people hung around Jesus. He didn't just do cool stuff for them, he loved them. I had an encounter with the love of God this Christmas in the midst of a moment of a very real deep point of anxiety. I was met by an even deeper love of God. There's no better landing point, in my opinion, for our home series than the love of God. Because if I had to sum up home in one sentence, I think I would say it's living in the love of God. We are his beloved children, and his love is our home. Because of this love, which sets us free, which does not condemn us, which offers mercy rather than judgment, because as John 1 tells us, there is no fear in love, we can allow ourselves to be vulnerable, to let go of the tight grip that we hold on our lives. We can trust the process of deep transformation. We can know that the work he's doing in us is for our good and for his glory. We can bank on him doing immeasurably more than we can ask for or imagine. Home and this series and all that we've been talking about, from coming home to being home, belonging home, building home, it's really about moving towards the love of God together. Whether you're moving fast and running or stuck in the mud or somewhere in the middle, It is his love for us that changes us. He loves us enough to invite us to keep growing. My prayer for us as a community is that we learn to live in the love of our Father, to dwell in his house, to know that his goodness and his love will follow us all the days of our lives. Let's pray together. Jesus, you are healer. We worship you right now. We honor you. Thank you that you can do immeasurably more than we ask for or imagine. Immeasurably more. Would you forgive us for having a vision that is far too small? Would you forgive us for believing and listening to voices that are not true. And I pray that right now, today, we would hear your voice. 
I pray that right now we would experience your love for us, some of us for the very first time. Would you come and reveal the love of the Father? Would you pour out your love on us right now? We know that encountering you changes everything. And so we surrender our lives to you. We give you permission to lead us on this journey of deep transformation in the year ahead. Help us to trust and be vulnerable and fully present to what it is that you're doing. And I just pray right now for anyone who is suffering physically in our community. And I know there's plenty of you. And we pray, Jesus, healer, would you come and heal? Heal bodies. Heal minds and hearts. Just pray especially for anyone with a condition in their back and their spine. Release your healing, Holy Spirit. I also had a sense that there was someone with a, with a bad wrist. We pray for healing of the wrist. And we pray for anyone who's suffering with COVID or any other infection right now. We say, go in Jesus' name. We say, pain and infection, go. And we pray that in the year ahead, we would experience so much more of your healing in every aspect of our lives and in this community. Say, come, Jesus, and have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you have a really fabulous week and that you keep leaning in to what it is that Jesus is doing in your life. See you soon. Thanks for listening to this message. For all the latest information about what's happening in the life of our church, or if you have any questions or comments, head over to BelfastCityVineyard.com.